Guess I was a little early on the queue on that one, uh, video still playing, but I'm so excited, I just had to get up. You know what this is all for. By the way, for those of you that are concerned about environment, we've moved from helium to uh, a balloon stand because the, the cost of helium was getting great. We're going to have to ask for more in our offering, a special Christmas offering for helium. Uh, but that is good news, and that's not a problem because, uh, as you know, the white balloons represent people who've chosen to put their faith in Christ since September, and the gold one represents somebody who this week put their faith in Christ. And so last week, uh, yeah, let's, yeah. Thank you, God. Uh, Somebody who was invited to our church and has been attending for several months, and then at the end of the service, we have our prayer people uh, came forward and said, I'm not really sure what I'm up here to pray for. And uh, our prayer person said, well, let's go back to the beginning. Have you put your faith in Christ? And that person was, said, I'm not sure. And so, well, let's start there. And so that prayer person led that person in a prayer and they received Christ as their savior. And then they, this is the part I love too, that, and then that prayer person said, can I connect you? And she goes, no, I'm already connected here. I come here all the time. I know people, da, da, da. And I'm like, fantastic. Isn't that so? Uh, the week before it was somebody from our church went to the hospital and led a person in their family in a prayer to Christ, and and this week it's somebody in here. So you never know where you get the opportunity. So I'm excited about that. I just wanted to celebrate uh, that, uh, Gracie. I hope this doesn't get in your way. I'll move it if if I don't just pop them wherever you are. Uh, I'm also excited about all church prayer meeting because we have it. But also a person in our church, Shelley, said, you know, not everybody can come. Uh, uh, to physically to the building, but would like to be part of prayer. So she and uh, Jeffrey have been working our online so you could actually come to the prayer meeting via Zoom. And it's specialized, it's going to fit, so you can get the Zoom link and come, or you can be here and come, and I'm excited about that. I'm also excited that uh, this, uh, starting in February, we're going to have a prayer vigil for day, and to me, that's just, we keep focusing on Christ. As a church and a person, you can't go wrong focusing on Jesus, right? Would you say, yeah, amen, thank you, Mark, and... um, I think more amen should have come in from that one. Like, uh, and it starts there. Uh, we want to have a church that's healthy and strong and fulfilling the commandments of Christ, but it starts with prayer and when we humble ourselves. And so I'm excited. We can join via Zoom for that prayer vigil. But the nut thing that ex- I'm so excited that we're going to have cake today. And the cake is for something else, but I'm going to say it's just because we're excited and we're celebrating. And what we're celebrating is that uh, we, in the month of December and uh, er, late, the last week of November, first week of January, we had $430,000 come in for the roof. And the roof is four twenty-two. So, So... <clears throat> Now, Joyce runs our finances, and she's amazing, and she hates that when we bring her name up, and she is so confidential, nobody but a few knows what anybody gives. But Joyce said to us in our our, um, our staff meeting, what I was so excited about was the money came from many people, not just a few. That the family got in. And that made me excited because I got thinking that when we say, you know, God, we need that money, but we, <laughs> we're really asking you. And so how does that go together? You know, it's like, oh, God, we need the money. By the way, we need the money. You know, how do we work that uh, out? And I realized what it is is that as we learn to trust God with giving, we grow. 
And we grow, and over time, God creates in us a generous heart and a heart of faith so that when a need comes, we're able to meet it. And what that 430 told me is that many people have been walking with Jesus over the years in the area of giving so that when a need came up and God's Spirit said, give to that, they were able and willing to give to it because of the discipleship and stewardship in your lives. And so I'm celebrating the goodness of God with cake, but I'm also celebrating your faithfulness with cake, and I want you as a whole family to celebrate with me. So when you leave, there will be cake. Have a piece, and just as you eat it, say, thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. And uh, so I want to honor, that's a victory won, and we want to honor that. In fact, let me, let me start the celebration by praying, okay? Pray with me. Jesus, just thank you for that money this <laughs> last week. I thought I was going to drown up here. It was so much water coming in, and our floor and our ministries would have to stop. Uh, and yet you provide it through your goodness, training us to learn to be generous. And then when the need came, people were like, oh, yeah, I'll give to that. And uh, so thank you for that money that's come in. And it allows us to take care of the building you've given us, but also to preserve the ministries that happen underneath it. We honor you and we celebrate. To me, this is a victory that we're going to celebrate. But we give you the honor. And I honor those who faithfully gave. In Jesus' name, amen. we got a lot of good happening here. God's been blessing this church because for the last 175 years, people have been faithful in following God. And now we are, as we continue faithfully following God, God's blessing comes to us because of the past, the people in the past who were faithful, and God has built on that, and we, we are faithful, and, and we are receiving faithfully from him his blessing. And one of the blessings the, we don't talk enough about at this church is the elders. I'm telling you, they're a group of individuals who love Jesus and take seriously their responsibility and give an enormous amount of time overseeing this church. So... Let me tell you an example. So when COVID hit, there was, I don't know if you remember, but the whole vaccine debate. And it was in the media, and it really hit churches. And we had people in churches who were really strongly anti-vaccine, and those that were strongly pro-vaccine. And I watched in our fellowship and in other churches in Toronto as individuals were allowed to get up in the church and have a voice and start swaying the church for this agenda, whatever it was, pro or anti. I know churches that actually split over that issue. The people got so divided that they parted the way over whether or not you should have a vaccine. So our elders began to seek God and said, you know, in our way of thinking, you can be a follower of Jesus and get a vaccine, and it doesn't affect you being a follower of Jesus. might kill you early, but it doesn't affect you being a follower of Jesus. And you can not get a vaccine and be a follower of Jesus. Now, statistically speaking, you're going to die sooner than the person with it, 
But you can still be a Christian, a follower of Jesus, and not get vaccinated. And so they said, because this is not a discipleship issue. Meaning, one way or the other, it's a preference issue. You can go either way and still be a follower of Jesus. We are not going to let anyone make this an issue at this church. Because it'll only divide. And as you know, either side, people got zealous over that issue. And it's a, like, really, honestly, it's a gone issue now, right? A couple years later, it's a gone issue. But because of the wisdom of the elders to know that zeal without wisdom will divide you, but wisdom applied to your life unites you. And because they, they made a clear, biblical, wise decision, they protected this church from any disagreement. We had a few people that wanted to make an issue. The elders said, no, you're not going to make this an issue. And this church remain strong and united. Because when zeal is not tempered, it will always divide. Zeal divides. But wisdom unifies. Zeal will divide. Untempered zeal will divide. But wisdom always unifies. Now last week we were studying 1 Corinthians 2, and the main idea I got was, or I shared with you was, God's thoughts and ways are different than our thoughts and ways. And so the result of that chapter was, if we want to be wise in this world, if we want to follow Jesus, we need to listen to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit, through his word, will provide the wisdom of God that we need in order to follow God. Now, Paul whips into chapter 3, the very next chapter, and says, now I'm going to deal with this idea of untempered zeal because it will divide the church versus wisdom, which will unite it. So the first application of this whole idea of hearing from God comes out in chapter 3. And he writes, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit. Stop. I couldn't, I couldn't talk to you as people who are seeking God and listening to the Spirit, because you're not. <laughs> you're not looking to God. You're people that were still worldly, meaning you're taking your cues, you're taking your thinking, you're taking your theology, you're taking your philosophy from the world rather than from God. You were, so he uses metaphor, mere infants in Christ. Your babies. And I gave you milk, not solid food. For you're not ready for the deeper things of God. You hadn't conditioned. You hadn't trained yourself to receive them. I had nothing to build on. So I had to keep giving you the simple, the basic things. Because your mind, you refuse to listen to the Spirit and seek the Spirit. Paul, how could you say that? Well, indeed, you're still not ready you are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? What he's saying is, are you not acting? You're, you're, you're more shaped by the thinking and culture that you're in than you are by the truth of God, the word of God. And I see it in your strife and your division. Because when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being, are you not 
mere human beings. Now, the idea of mere human beings means, are you not following the way the world works? When, when you pick up ideas and then you start choosing uh, individuals and you get behind them and you get zealous about what they're teaching and then it's coming out all over the place. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe some of you aren't that zealous about stuff, but I can get behind something and then start talking about it, and it becomes all that I think about. And instead of looking to the scriptures to see, is this what I should be talking about, or is this even right, I just get talking about it because I get excited about it. And Paul said, you're getting behind choosing. I'm a Paul. I, I, whatever it was that Paul was saying, he doesn't say. Whatever he was teaching, that's what they were hammering. And then other people, but I'm a Paulist. And whatever he was teaching, that's what they were hammering. They were starting to fight with one another over who's right. What's best? What should this church be known for? Now, Paul's going to use three metaphors to show why that zeal, that untempered zeal, is dangerous. And we've got to get away from it. So he uses three metaphors. He's going to use one. Um, he's going to use a temple. He's going to use a building. And he's going to use a field. And he starts with the field. He says, verse 5, what after all are Apollos, and what's Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. We're, we're not God. We're just servants. As the Lord has assigned each to us, we're just doing what God's called us to do. Now, here's the metaphor. I planted the seed. Apollo watered it, but God has, make, has been making it grow. So, here's the, th here's the picture. If you think about that field just south of us here, it gets planted every year. But in Paul's day, they didn't have tractors. So people went out into the field. And, and some would go out and plant the seed. And some would water it and weed it and care for it. But they didn't make it grow. It, it was this mysterious thing that takes place when you take a seed and you plant it into the ground and the warmth of the sun and the water and the nutrients of the soil make it grow. The growth comes from the mysterious hidden work of nature in the ground. The, the other people just planting the seed and watering it. So nobody says, oh man, you guys are great servants. They always say, wow, God is great for what he gives us from the field. There's the metaphor. Paul is saying, hey, I'm just a servant. Apollos is just a servant. We're just going out and doing our job. It's God that brings the increase and the growth in your heart in the mysterious hidden way that God works in your heart. He is the one that gives you life. I'm not the one who gives you life. Apollos is not the one who gives you life. God is the one who gives life. Focus on him, not the servants. Thankful to the servants for doing their work, but they are not the ones that give you the life. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants... The one who waters have one purpose, and they will be each rewarded according to their labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. Now, there is, there is debate among what that word means. I always thought it meant, you know, me and God, we're working together. 
The emphasis of the word is, I'm a servant of God. He's the owner of the field. He's the one that produces the life. I'm just a servant. I work for God. I work with God. But it's God that does the work. You are God's field. And then God's building. He moves into the next metaphor. Now let me just stop for a second. Let's take this metaphor and tease it out. There are two things I think we need to be aware of and why this is important to us today, some 2,000 years later. First is YouTube. How many of you spend time on YouTube scrolling and listening to speakers? I'm of Shapiro. <laughs> I'm of Lusk. I'm of Peterson. I'm of Haggie. I'm of Hibbs. These are all people on the internet that are teaching all kinds of, whether it's theology, uh, eschatology, that's the study of the future, things to come, or it's the social issues that are facing us today, uh, Israel-Palestine, which we should be praying for regularly, we'll pray for tonight, uh, we, the, uh, or, or it's uh, social issues that are affecting us. And you watch these people, and they say things, and you can get hyped up about what they say. Because it resonates with us. And because of your algorithm, you're going to hear more and more of that person and a few other people that are just like them. And what happens? It begins to seep into you, and that becomes what you're known for, that issue. And Paul has a question to say, what does that have to do with Scripture? Be careful who you're getting behind and what you're saying because it's God that brings the growth and increase. So do you want to be a person that's pumping the things of the world that are not God's agenda and not God's thinking and not God's ways? Or do you want to be teaching people about Jesus and his thinking and his ways? And you, the internet, I, I, like maybe I'm the only one in the room that this affects, but I can get pumped up about some of the stuff that I read and start talking about it to other people and never stop to think, is this what Jesus wants? Is this what Jesus thinks? So the internet's the first thing. We've got to be careful. It's not wrong to scroll and look at things and learn. Just is it what Jesus... We've got to ask that next question. Is this what Jesus would think? Is this what he wants? Should I be telling other people this? Is it right? According to the word of God. That's the first thing I'd say I'd warn you about. The second thing is... Um, we have two main speakers at this church. Dustin and Ed. We have, two, we have other speakers, but the two main speakers that speak the most are Dustin and Ed. Now, it is going to be natural for you to prefer one over the other. That's okay. My feelings aren't hurt if you go, wow, that Dustin, he is so good. Because he is good. And God has gifted him. And we're fortunate to have him here. I, I, you don't need to tell me that, but I don't care if you talk about that. That's okay to have that preference. Here's what's not okay. Well, Dustin says, well, Ed says, don't ever pit us against each other. Because what you're doing is creating a division in the church. Dustin and I think differently about some stuff. We think the same on other stuff. 
But what does it matter? We're servants that are sent here to serve you so that you can get closer to Jesus. It's not about what Dustin says. It's not what about Ed says. It's about what Jesus wants you to hear. I love that song that Gracie led us in. Just I surrender to you. I want to surrender everything to you. Do what you want in me. It's not about what I'm up here saying. It's what Jesus is saying through me, through the Holy Spirit. That's what's important. And so I just want to, I haven't heard this. I just want to just let us be aware that that could be an avenue or a place of disunity among us if we allow ourselves to get caught focusing on the servant, Dustin or Ed, rather than focusing on Jesus. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let me learn. Let me be surrendered to you, whatever you want to say. Even though I might prefer one speaker over the other, that's immaterial. We just want to be careful that we recognize that those you're listening to are just servants. It's about Jesus. So that's the first metaphor. We're only servants in the field. It's God that gives the increase. Now he says, you are God's building, verse 10. By the grace of God given to me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, Paul is comparing himself to a uh, a builder, a construction person, uh, um, when I, uh, that, that goes out and lays and builds houses. That's what he's comparing himself to. And I, he goes, I, I'm a master, a former. So in the constru- I worked in the construction uh, business for several years, uh, work, <laughs> working my way through to go to school. That's how I made my money. And I worked for a company in Newmarket that built, su- they had a subdivision, they'd have about 150 homes, and they'd build 150 homes a year. And so what they would do is they had a, a place, you know, you go uh, to view the models, and then you come in and you choose the lot you want, and then you would choose the model that you put on the lot. And then about, what, four or five months later, six months later, you're in your new house. What you may not know that happened is once you choose and put down your deposit, then they go and send the excavator into your lot, they dig it out, and then the formers come, and they, they laid the, the footings according to the plan that you chose. They had a plan. And they would f- uh, pour the f- footings and make the footings so that that fit the plan. And then they would pour the concrete for the wall. And they would pour the walls. And then they would fill, backfill it all in. And then the framer would come. And the framer would then build upon the foundation. And if the framer, now I never saw this happen, but if the framer had the wrong plan, you were in trouble. Because things wouldn't fit. Because you can't build model A on a model B foundation. The model B foundation is for model B. And you can't build the thoughts and the insights and the teachings of mankind on the foundation of Christ. It just won't fit. Because 
God's thoughts and ways are what? Different than our thoughts and ways. And so if you try to fit the thinking of our culture onto the gospel foundation of Christ crucified, it just won't fit. Either you're building on the foundation of Christ through his word, or you're building on some other foundation. Now Paul says... uh, let me talk to you about this for a second. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw. Now, stop there for a second. That was, they were all common building materials in Paul's day. What was also common in the, the cities of the Roman Empire is because people were crammed in on one another and you know they cooked through fires, is fires would actually happen in these cities. Fires would rage through and burn out whole sections of the city. And I think that's what Paul's tapping into when he says, you can build with gold, silver, costly stones, or wood, hay, straw. Your work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. What do you mean by that? It will be revealed with fire. Fire in the Old Testament is a metaphor for judgment. It's going to be revealed with judgment. And that fire, the judgment, will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss. Yet you're not going to lose your salvation, even though you'll be like one barely escaping from the flames of a burning house. With nothing. You know when you're getting out of a house because of fire? I don't know if you've ever had that experience. I haven't. My thing is, my thinking is you're not going around the house picking up things and carrying them out, putting them down, running back in and getting things. Now people do try it, but they're the ones that die in the fires. Usually you just get out with just whatever you know you got on your back. So we get to choose whether or not we're going to build on the foundation of Christ. And if we build with uh, gold, silver, and precious stones, even though judgment comes, those things actually get more valuable in fire because the dross is burned out of them. And so the judgment of God will prove our works even more valuable than we ever imagined and anybody around us. But if we've built with wood, hay, and straw which is, a, is a, in the metaphor, is the thinking and the values of this world, then the judgment, of, when they face God, those things will crumble and be totally consumed. Now, you're not going to lose your salvation on this, but you'll be like one who lived your life in this home, this house of your life here on earth, and when you get out, you'll just barely get out with whatever clothes you got on your back. That's what he's saying. Now, let me kind of apply it a little bit. Wood, hay, stubble, and gold, silver, precious stone. What is that? What would I liken those things to today? Well, when I was asking myself that question, I thought of our prayer meeting, our men's Tuesday morning prayer meeting. We, uh, um, one of our guys, probably, uh, I'm going to guess in September, I think, he said, um, I'm going to ask six of my friends if they would go through Alpha with me. 
I'm going to run the Alpha. I'll learn how to run it. It's, it's, it's so simple. It's unbelievable. Uh, he, I'm going to learn how to run it, which Mike Ewis helped him learn how to run it. And um, he said, I'm going to invite six friends. So we said, we're going to pray for you. And we're going to pray for those people. So we did that. And over the next couple months, month and a half, I think, uh, we were praying. And then when the time was right, this individual asked all six if they would go to Alpha with them. And I think four of them said yes. And so now I think they're in Alpha right now, going through that. Gold, silver, precious stones was that man saying, I'm going to build on the foundation of Christ and I'm going to go ask people if they want to be part of that. The gold, silver, precious stones were the men gathered around him praying, God, do work in these people's lives. The gold, silver, precious stones are when you go to Springvale Institute to learn more of God so that you can follow him better in your life. It's when you are here in the gym with uh, jammers or beautiful mess or youth or kids or you're downstairs and you're pouring into the lives of those kids and youth the truth of Jesus Christ. That's, that, that is going to be magnified way beyond what you believe when it comes for God to look at it through his eyes. It's when you give Instead of spending your money on yourself, you give it to a person in need. You give it to when the church has a need. You give it to missionaries. You give it to family who are in need. When you're generous with your money, that's gold, silver, and precious stones. It's whatever you do for Jesus out of a conviction that the, as you're following Jesus, your spirit, the spirit speaks to you and you go, I'm supposed to do, I'm supposed to tell that person, I'm supposed to serve here. I'm supposed to help out in, 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 the, in the, the ministry of providing the cake for this church to, this morning. I, it's, I, I'm gonna do that for Jesus. Anytime we build on the foundation of Jesus and our commitment to him, that's the gold, silver, and precious stone because they're done for Jesus. All these people up here that were leading us in worship, they're, they're doing it for Jesus. I hear them pray. They're spending their time and their energy, their effort to serve you and to serve Jesus. That's the gold, silver, and precious stones. Wood, hay, and stumble. Well, then would be anything I do for myself or according to the teachings of this world. When my energy, my time, my money, my love is directed to me first, I'm building on a foundation that's different than the one Jesus built. Because he sacrificed. He was crucified. He loved. He was generous. That's who Jesus is. When I build on his foundation, it looks different than when I'm doing things myself. Now, I don't know about you, and yes, I do know about you. What am I saying? You struggle with those two things. You struggle with both of those things. With your time. With your money. With your abilities and skills. Am I going to use them for me? Nah, nah. I'm going to use them for Jesus? Nah, nah, nah. I'm just... Don't feel like it. Or no, I'm, I want this. I'm going to spend it on me. When it comes to the thinking of this world, let me just be a little blunt. I know I'm going to offend some of you here, but I, I want to offend you as kindly as I can. It's not wrong to be offended. 
it hopefully makes us go, mm, maybe I need to rethink that. I don't know how you can build upon the foundation of Jesus and think that it's okay for somebody to have an abortion. Don't know. That, that is not part of what Jesus teaches. I don't know how you can build on the foundation of Jesus and discriminate against somebody who doesn't come from, wasn't born in our country and moves here. I don't know. That doesn't. I, it, it's not Jesus. I don't know how you can build on the foundation of Jesus and then say, well, we're just going to live together for a while because we want to make sure that, you know, we're compatible. By the way, the irony of that is, is this has been going on long enough, that studies are done that the last time I heard this was for, you're 40% 40 more likely to break up if you live together than if you don't. It doesn't work. Because marriage is not about do, does she fit me or does he fit me. Marriage is about what am I going to give into this. That's why that doesn't work. Wood, hay, and stubble, or wood, hay, and straw, are when I build my life according to the thinking and values of my culture. Wood, hay, and straw is when I think I'm going to hold back taxes that I owe the government, because everybody does it. Have I offended enough? Well, the, the, the truth of God is offensive it's offensive to me sometimes. It's offensive to you because God is saying, stop. I want you to build a life that is eternally valuable, not one that fits in this world. So why would you focus on the teaching of a person? Man's teaching is man's teaching. God's teaching is God's teaching. Who do you want to follow? Final metaphor. Verse 16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? Huh? Interesting thing about God's, or Paul's use of this metaphor, he uses it for us as a body, and this passage he's using us, it for us as a gathering, as a church. But he'll also use it in chapter 6 as an individual. Your body is a temple. He uses the metaphor two different ways. So don't be confused by that. Don't you know that you, us, as a body are God's temple, and that the Spirit of God dwells within our midst. That there is a unique way that when we gather to worship, that the Spirit is here with us. That's why I like what Gracie said today. Let's prepare ourselves to hear what God has to say to us, because he's here and he speaks. And if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Now, in Paul's day, Corinth was filled with temples, all kinds of different gods. And there was a general, and I think there's a general respect for sacred places, like places of worship, built into most people. Not all people, but most people. Even today, I'll have unbelievers that I'll invite, say, hey, why don't you come to Springville? Well, I couldn't go to Springville. The place would fall down on me. Like, they, they won't come because, now the thinking is, like, 
is the same as, well, I wouldn't go to the hospital because I'm sick. And that, that's what a hospital's for, and that's what the church is for. But at the same time, there's a, 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 a respect for the place of worship. And I think that's what Paul's building on. None of you, he's saying, would think about going and destroying a temple. So then why are you destroying God's temple? By the way, God's temple is not this stone feature on main and forth. God's temple is you. And so when you start promoting one teacher over another and causing divisions in the body, do you not think that God has something to say about that? Are you sure you want to divide God's church, his temple, because of your preference? Are you really sure that's the course of action you want to take? Well, of course not. So be careful how you promote individuals and start getting behind them and following them. Yes, 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 we need to listen, but we need to say, is what they're saying truly based on the word of God? And by the way, not elevating the servant, but elevating God. Now he finishes saying, don't deceive yourselves. If any of you think that you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may be wise. And so here's what he's trying to say. Don't be deceived. Don't listen and build your life on the ways and the thinking of this world and rather, rather become foolish meaning foolish in the eyes of the world, so that you can truly be wise. Because as you build your life on the teaching and principles of God, you're building a life that lasts and that honors Christ. So yeah, become a fool in the eyes of the world. But truly become wise in the eyes of God. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. What our culture and our world teaches about some things, not everything, but about some things is absolute foolishness for God. And so I need to choose, am I going to nod my head toward the foolishness or toward wisdom, toward the things and the teachings of this world or for the things and teaching of God? And by the way, if I do this, this side will laugh at mock and oppose. But hey, I'm building my life, not for them. I want to build it for God. Seems to me a lot wiser since the fire of judgment is going to come and determine what kind of work I've done. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. Quote from the Old Testament. Um, Maybe this one isn't from the Old Testament. Um, It's all jumbled up here now. These, the, the, anyway, the meaning of the quote is this. You, people think they're wise and they mock at God's wisdom and build their life on the wisdom of the world and then they reject God because they think they're wiser than God and God captures them in their own craftiness. In other words, their judgment is deserved and it is just and it was chosen by them. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise are futile. The Lord knows that the thinking of this world, (laughs) he's been around a while, and he knows that what comes goes, and what goes will come back, and it's foolishness because it doesn't lead 
to eternal life. And God knows us. And so then, don't boast about human leaders. Don't get all hyped up over some leader and what they have to say. Sure, learn from them, but don't get all hyped. Don't get zealous because zeal will divide, but wisdom unifies. So in your church, don't get all hyped up about some, what somebody is teaching on the internet or from a pulpit. Instead, focus on Christ. And here's why. All things are yours. This is the part that they were missing. Whether it's Paul or Apollos or Cephas or it's Dustin or it's Ed, God has given these servants to you so you will grow. What are you choosing? Well, you don't need to choose. They're gifts from God to you. Use them and uh, uh, use them to grow in your faith. Use them as God wants you to do. But you don't choose them. You, you, God's what's important. They're, they're, they belong to you because God sent them for you. The, in fact, he says, the world or life or death or the present or the future, all of this is yours because you are in Christ. And Christ is in God and God is in control. And so God pours his favor and blessing on Christ and Christ pours his favor and blessing on his church and he provides what we need, the teaching and the help and the strength and the presence in order to build a life that honors God. So how are you doing building? How's the mysterious work of God going in your heart in the field of your life? Only God does that. What are you building with your life and what are you building upon? And are you doing anything that hurts his church, his temple? Let's pray. Lord, uh, there's a reason I think Paul emphasized the teaching and the truth and the foolishness is because we are so swayed by our cultures. We are swayed by our culture. And we never stop and ask ourselves, why do I think that? And who's teaching that? And how do I know if that's true? So often we just absorb teaching and absorb direction and absorb ideas because of who said it, not because of its value. And so give us wisdom. God, Keep us from untempered zeal. I think we're supposed to be zealous about our faith, but we're supposed to be wise. We're supposed to be tempered. And so help us, Lord. Help people here struggling. I'm just living through some decisions I made, and they were such bad decisions, and I don't know if God can forgive me. And this passage says, yes, consider yourself foolish and come and start applying the truth of the word of God to your life. So, Father, I pray that this will be true food, true nourishment in the hearts of your people today. I pray for you, Holy Spirit, to work and encourage and strengthen your people for your glory.